Welcome to Lord Clark and Friends, episode number 12. Well, welcome back. This is uh, Lord Clark and Lord Cran again. Um, tonight we got a new podcast for you. Uh, we're talking about a few things that have uh, kind of got our eye in the news. We wanted to start off with something that we both thought was interesting. Uh, it seems that there was a... Uh, a what did, here we go. Flame thrown. Boy hurled through window when toilet exploded after he sprayed air freshener and then sparked a lighter. Uh, <laughs> now you sent me this article. It so. never gets old. <laughs> uh, do you? Now you sent me this article. So do you want to elaborate on this, or shall oh, I? No. It was a while ago, so I don't actually have it in front of me, so go for it. All right, I've got this article in front of me. Uh, we do have to report that this is uh, the, the article starts off this a German schoolboy was blown out of his toilet through a window when the lavatory exploded into a fireball after he sparked a lighter just moments after spraying the room with an air freshener. <laughs> The toilet turned into an orange fireball when Dennis Bueller, 13, began playing with a lighter after he sprayed the downstairs uh, WC in his home, or otherwise known as wash closet or bathroom in America. Uh, I sprayed the toilet because it smelled, said Dennis. Then I began fiddling with the lighter my dad left in there, and suddenly there was this big orange whoosh of flame. I woke up outside with my clothes burned off and smelling like barbecue. (laughs) (laughs) The tin of purple rose air freshener stated that it was not to be used near naked flame, but Dennis admitted he hadn't read the instructions. (laughs) Uh... I don't Makes even... you think twice about lighting things in the bathroom. I mean, you know, back in the day, I knew people who would light a match in the bathroom just to get rid of a, a stench. Right. And it's one thing to just light a match, and another thing to spray something first and then light a match. <laughs> but I wouldn't have thought that the air freshener would have been that explosive. Well... It depends on how so. you spray, right? Yeah, <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> I'm almost kind of interested in getting this air freshener and doing some uh, field testing on it. <laughs> Go nuts. Go nuts. <laughs> with, the, with the power of international uh, <laughs> geo-arbitrage, you can go get yourself some of the exact same spray. Right. Or the next time I'm in Germany, I'll go just go get it. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. So it is a day after Thanksgiving. So right, we right. hope all of our listeners have had a good Thanksgiving. And, you know, even though we had to grit our teeth, most of us at the uh, Thanksgiving table when talking with family members who have been mass brainwashed, or at least, as some other people have said, a light rinse to the brain, um, perhaps, you know, the. Maybe some of you have persuaded people to start thinking about uh, things in a more uh, conservative way than uh, they had previously. Um, well, I didn't. I did have an interesting uh, uh, conversation there with some of my family members. Um, How'd that go? Well, everybody kind of. We all know that we all have that there are definitely two sides to the debate. Um, well, well, well. Let's frame this here for our listeners. What what debate? Which debate? Which debate? Any political debate. There are the conservatives and the liberals in my family. Yeah. Um, just like there are in the world. It's quite it's quite interesting, and none of us like to talk about it. Um, there's those of us who are very conservative and. And, uh, you know, are investing in the stock market and those of us who aren't. And it seems that the argument tends to fall along those lines exactly. Uh, So we kind of 
hit a point where we were talking about something, and we just decided, and everybody just kind of said, well, we really don't want to start an argument right now, so we're just going to avoid that co- topic of conversation altogether. Um, yeah. Or we're just going to end it here with some side comment. I don't know how your family is. It sounds like you didn't have as an easy of a time. I mean, I've had to well, deal with some I, of the liberal brainwashing, brainwashing I, myself. I actually, it was kind of interesting because we, we sort of split off to the, quote, kids table and the, quote, adults table. And so I managed to spend most of the time in the safety of the of communicating and you know, sitting with the uh, my my nephews and their friends and, and granted they're college age, right? Uh, but it was you know not the real kids table per se, but I managed to get out of most of it. But eventually later on I did have a, there, there was political talk at both tables. It was right, uh, but the the areas of most uh, interest were the discussions of of, of Obama and. And McCain and the absolute hatred that the liberals seemed to have for Palin. Oh, yeah. There was that. There was that end of it, and then there was the bailout, and then there was the economy, and then nine times out of ten, if I was in the other room, I'd hear, and thankfully, blah blah blah, no more Bush, no more Bush, blah 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 blah, no more Bush. And, you know, it was kind of annoying. I mean, I'd have to say it was pretty annoying to hear that in the background, but... um, Yeah, now, what do you think about that? I mean, we have no more Bush, but it doesn't sound like anything's going to get any better just because Bush is leaving office. Well, I think, you know, the... (laughs) One of the the greatest... uh, you know, uh, arguments, uh, what was it, the, the devil's uh, best trick is to, you know, make sure he doesn't exist. Yeah. Or something along those lines. I, I mixed right. up the metaphor. I'm sure I misquoted it, but whatever. Um, I think, you know, what may really happen, for the most part, is Obama will become a do-nothing president. He'll be yeah. as much a lame duck as Bush. Right. With the only exception that we will see in, uh, tax increases, I, I don't see anything else going on. I think, you know, if if you look at who he just picked, or at least some of the prospective picks, they're very moderate. And for a guy that is as radical as he's been made out to be, mm-hmm. have a whole bunch of moderate moderate picks for his uh, his cabinet and. All, all the different positions, right? Uh, he won't accomplish much, and if anything, he'll annoy his supporters, the hardcore zealot, you know, uh, um, Starbucks drinking liberals. Right. I, I actually agree because I don't think he can um, appease all of the people who got him elected uh, with what he, with what they want. Uh, com- as there are way too many things and they are way too diverse to appease everything. Plus, you've got a market that's in shambles and there's almost no way you can appease anybody in this type of market without pissing off a lot of people. That's um, true. I don't know. Let's let's go on to the... Uh, I, I would like to bring up something I did talk about. And right. I haven't spoken to you about this, or at least if I have, it hasn't been in any great... great Okay. And this is a, an oddball issue um, because it, it is more of a liberties issue than anything else. Uh-oh. And I, I did have this conversation. My nephews were involved. My dad was involved. My aunt was involved. My uncle was involved. Pretty much every well, everybody who was left at that point in time was involved in right. some way, shape, or form. And that is the topic of fluoridation adding fluoride to the drinking water okay um being an issue that it is um and and this sort of came up because i was talking to my dad about it a while ago and the the general gist of it was i was like well 
you know, is fluoride good for you? And it's mm. one of these things, well, here in Massachusetts, some towns mandate having it in the water where it's like one part per million and others don't. Right. And the, the dental people seem to think, oh, it's good for tooth decay. Oh, it's good for preventing it, that is. Mm -hmm. And then other people say, oh, you know what, though? If you have too much fluoride, you get fluorosis. And then you have, like, if it's like looking at, like, a horror show. If you go look up fluorosis on the web, you see these pictures of people with multicolored teeth that are either, either bright white or, or, like, partially white. Some of them are even brown. It looks like they're all decayed and gross, kind of nasty looking. Okay. But yep. over the years, and I asked my dad, well, you know, what do you know about these people in the John Birch Society? And so they're, they're sort of an ultra-right uh, conservative organization who mm -hmm. has been hell-bent on civil liberties and over the years has gotten a bad rep because they think everything is a communist plot. Well, <laughs> that being said, they are very much against fluoridation. Okay. And my dad was telling me a story that years ago, every time he... he the, some of the towns would ask him to speak about fluoride and, and how it may be beneficial, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Someone would be brought in by the, the Birch Society and say, oh, fluoride killed my baby. And that would sort of end the meetings. So one of the things I wanted to bring up about this issue is that right. adding fluoride to the water, yep. okay, it's not naturally occurring. Mm-hmm. People out there, some people believe it's not helpful for their health, and it is a form of mass medication. Okay. Okay, now, whether or not you believe it is, is not the real issue. The real issue is, should you have the right to be free from having fluoride in your water? Well, um, I've got a few thoughts on this, um, and not just, I, you know, fluoride strengthen, strengthens your teeth in, in reasonable doses, which is what the government is talking about putting in the water, and you can test that, right? Um, I can test my yeah. water. Fluorine yep. is also in the same uh, family as chlorine is if I'm not mistaken. So it actually provides a second benefit uh, chemically in the water. Chlorine kills bacteria when it's in yep. the water. Yep. Uh, well, fluorine does the same thing. Hydrofluoric acid versus hydrochloric acid. Uh, hydrofluoric is a bit stronger. Yep. Um, so from a chemical perspective, uh, hydrochloric acid is the stomach, the stuff my stomach uses to break down food. Uh, hydrofluoric acid, uh, pretty much in the same line as that. My stomach doesn't use it, but it's going to give me a medical benefit uh, versus versus just having something that's absorbed by my body. Um, I'd rather, you know, I can see where the fluorine can be useful. I no, I no, don't get me wrong. I, uh, this I, is just where I'm coming. I just want to build my argument. I appreciate the chemical background that you provide, a chemistry yeah, background that you're right. providing for me, um, and I have heard it, and I do, I do understand it. Right. My question is, is what it, I, I look at it and say, you know, well, is this one of those things that gives the government what I like to call, and a lot of people use the term, a gateway drug? Not in the sense that oh, it, it's going to lead to drugs. But more like if you look at government intrusion in decisions in your lives, in the lives of all of its people, such that, okay, has it opened up the door for the government to say, you know what, all sorts of chemicals that we've got, maybe we've got some toxins, we don't know what to do with them, mm -hmm. but we've already we've established with fluoride that if you have one part per million, it's okay to put it in our water. So then it, using that logic, well, why don't we just add one part per million of uranium 
to our water. One part per million of a little bit of lead, because we all know how good lead paint chips go with kids. Okay, we could have one part per million of tar, one part per million of silly string, all these different things. If we, I mean, right. is it, you know, something, okay, well, why are we letting the government open the door for this? By adding this, I mean, the benefit may be okay. Maybe there is a benefit, but well, the two benefits that- are that the two benefits are this. Let's let's just lay them on the table. You have a cleaner drinking water supply if you fluorinate the water because you're clean. It help it helps prevent bacterial growth. Yeah. Okay, just like chlorine would. Um, in two, you have you create in the main reason why they put it in there is strengthening. Strengthening enamel of teeth in childhood development of to- of teeth. Yeah. Okay. So those are two proven medical two proven medical benefits to putting fluorine into my city drinking water. Um, but on the other side, okay. I, I'm I'm just saying those are the two. I'm I'm saying those are yeah. the two medical benefits that the medical community has fairly oh. agreed on. I I'm now going to to address the other side of the argument, Um, which is, okay, I also want to bring in a couple of things here which I think are appropriate. Um, Smallpox vaccine, polio vaccine, and uh, forced, the mumps rubella or whatever, vaccines that you're forced to have by the government if you go to school, uh, any school in the state. Because we're talking about our state of Massachusetts. If you go to public schools. Schools, yes. Yeah. And there are people that will put their kids in private schools to avoid immunization. Okay. Now, these are some of these are airborne viruses. Yeah. Um, I really can't see the colossal stupidity in, avoid, in, in why you'd want to not have well, these. Well, there, there, there is risk. There's there, there's risk. minor risk yeah. with any form. Well, minor for some, but if you're one of the, if if there are a million people and you're one of the ten in a million who may end up para- paralyzed or you know have known sensitivities to particular things, I mean, mm-hmm. um, it, it it may be uh, something that you wouldn't want to potentially expose your your kids to. Well, we we have to ask the greater question in in, in yeah, and who does is the greater good provide? And I understand that. Oh no, 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 and and I'm not even saying that. We're asking the greater Darwinian question here because in this podcast we're going to subscribe to to if you're going to put out there that you want to save the children, anything that falls under save the children, we also have to ask the Darwinian question. Which is, if you're going to preach Darwin to my to me and my kids in school, you yeah. know, you better be ready to immunize that kid because the kids who can't survive the immunization should be killed off in Darwin's methods. Okay. Well, you're talking state versus private school, and one right. could argue that I, 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 let's let's be honest here: someone who puts their kid through private school on some level either a thinks they're getting their kid a better education or b thinks they're better than a public school kid right so you know to say well who's going to teach what to who is you know really moot if you you know you take the general attitude my kid's better than your kid because he's in private school and all, all these you know ignorant masses are more likely or better to have the risk of being killed off than my kid. Right. Right. Okay, so I, I, we could reframe it, but but here's what I want to get at, and this is the other side of, of it, and that is, we know that if you add fluoride to water, mm-hmm. and you give it to plants, it they do not grow as well. And we also know that if we give fluoride in water to animals, they do not live as long. Okay. But it's okay for humans. 
And we know this because how many cities and towns have put fluorine in their water? <laughs> I know Waltham does. Um, yeah. Well, I know my town does as well, but and, I also and, know that there are a number of towns where people... Well, so then there's the other issue, okay? It is mandated by some areas. Now, mandating, it's not a state law of any kind, so it, it yeah. doesn't exactly apply to the same rules that the Fed would have of, oh, we're going to force everybody to have uh, immunization. So it's not quite the same thing. Now, yeah. I was recently looking at the town of Littleton, where I work, okay. um, and I wanted to find out, is the water... Uh, fluoridated or not and it appears that there have been repeated tries to get it and every single time the town votes and shoots it down okay because they take the general attitude well we do something you know or we decide to do something where we add something to our system whatever it may be mm. and somehow we find out after it's already done, then it's irreversible, or there are some unintended consequences. Okay. That that I actually, at least they're voting consistently on it. Um, that they're they think there might be unintended consequences. I think the problem in their short in this thinking is, how long has this water been fluorine, fluorinated? Um, I know that in my lifetime, Waltham has done it the whole entire time I've been alive, if not longer. So that puts it at over 30 years. Yeah. So has there been unintended consequences that our water supply has been fluorinated? Um, I mean, I, I, don't get me wrong. Anything that you... There, there could be all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Be it asthma or allergy or neurological impairments or you know long-term disability and there you know whatever there may be mm-hmm. you know even like, even like food allergies and I mean there is a possibility that adding something like this could cause or at least be a cofactor in causing problems but we don't know because we don't really look for it and you know, people would want to look the other way. Yeah. To get, oh, well, the greater good, oh, you're going to have better teeth. Well, okay, but if you're miserable because of some sort of condition X, and I don't know. I mean, if you take fluoride in major quantities, it's a poison, it'll kill you. Right. If you take chlorine, which is people have more of a sensitivity, sure, it'll kill bacteria, but people are more sensitive that they'll break out, they'll burn, well, their skin will burn, not they won't, like, literally burn, but... Yeah, yeah. Feel, yes. feel like skin is burning, right. you know, all right. these different things. It's like, well, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's given me a lot to think about because I, I, I want to know what most people think about the role of the government choosing what you drink. Well, they're not choosing what you drink in a total sense. For the most part, most of the people I know don't drink tap water any longer. I don't drink tap water any longer. Well, I haven't, but you I have haven't to in go, years. You have to really go out of your way to get water that isn't... Um, it hasn't been treated with fluoride. Unless you're dealing... Strictly with imported water, the odds are, are pretty good that you're going to get water with uh, fluoride in it. Right, but I filter my water so I can filter out that fluorine. No, no, but you're filtering your bottled water too. Uh, my bottled water doesn't say it has fluorine in it. No, but if it's in the U.S., it probably it is. Well, it had at one point, but they filtered it because they have to list the fluorine on the side if it has fluorine in it. Well, maybe not. It's an acceptable one part per million. Um, How you, I don't know if you actually have to list that. Yeah, I don't you, think do. you do. You do. Oh, you do? Yeah, you do. You have to list everything that they find in a spectral analysis in it. And if you, if you can... If you do a spectral analysis on it, analysis on it, and it is not listed in the correct order, 
um, you can actually sue the company. Oh. It's part of the uh, FDA's required mandated um, reporting on that. So, yeah. Mm. Um, because the one thing that, that is very concerning is it's actually the one thing you should be reading is you want to keep your arsenic content down. Down. Um, and arsenic is almost impossible to get out of water once it's in water. But that's the the real concern with water yeah. um, and why they list it as a percentage. But um, you can actually do a spectral analysis and see whether it has fluorine in it or not. It's a very simple process in a chemical lab. Um, or if you have the right equipment. Uh, hmm. So, and I've actually done that analysis for a lab and your bottled water has exactly what it says on the side in it that's good to know um (laughs) so that's why you know we can speak a little bit on this subject yeah um because we used to talk about it and we used to actually look at it um being that i had to use you know had to know what was in the water i was using uh, so it's very easy to filter it, and you can get any any many known filtration systems um, to to filter your water if you're that concerned about fluorine. So I mean, for the most part in Massachusetts, anybody with a job isn't drinking tap water. Uh, uh, for the most part, other well, than maybe is, the occasional bubbler. But there, there is the other end of it, though, and that is. Uh... I mean, the whole idea of buying, you know, bottled water is one of the biggest scams there is because you're typically buying bottled tap water. It doesn't matter where it comes from. It's still tap water from somewhere. Well, it's tap water that's filtered and then bottled. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Poland Spring, I mean, you know, we all know the joke of Belmont Springs, the original Belmont Spring. uh, I wouldn't want to drink out of that. Uh, I've seen it. Um, the train tracks are right next to it. Uh, next thing you're going to tell me, Poland Springs isn't really in Poland. Well, not in Poland, the country. It's in Poland, Maine. Uh, and you know what's even funnier is if you really want to go get Poland Springs water, you can go down to the to the. You can go down the road, I guess, and they have a public pump that you can go pump the water out. That's the same as they bottle. Oh, excellent. <laughs> Nice. Um, you know, Aquafina, well, that's just Atlanta tap water filtered. Um, <laughs> uh, what else is it? Dasani? I don't even know what that is. Uh, well, you know, your average person, though, has at least two levels of filtering anyhow before right. they get their tap water, and that's, uh, you know, the house filters and maybe the drinking filters. Well, and the city does. I mean, the city, the NWRA, I do read their reports. Um, they actually send you a report in the mail, or at least we do down here, yeah. um, with what the all of the levels of everything are in our water that they right. se- they, they put into our pipes. Um, thing is, is there's also many other factors, including the age of the pipes and the things like that that are underneath the ground or that service us yeah. uh, stuff growing in the pipes because <laughs> um, <laughs> we don't use enough fluorine to kill it <laughs> um, so you know what about the stu- what about all of that stuff contaminants that are leached out of the pipe because water does that um, contaminants in the me- in the metal making process of the, the the metal they used for the pipe um there are a lot of things we could talk about on this subject. Well, the only reason I brought, I mean, the, the primary reason I brought this up was, you know, whether or not it's a civil rights kind of issue or, or you know, liberty sort of thing. But the other, you know, thing I wanted to really get at and I thought that I would share is that is basically uh, because it's locally decided yeah. that whether or not you're for or against uh, fluoridation, you have to look locally. Like, if you, if you want to find out, 
whether or not your town has a mandate, the water supply companies will say, we've got a mandate, or no, we do not, we do, not do this. And that means it is your local politics that actually decides whether or not it happens to you and your uh, town. Well, I, I, and I actually like that. I like the fact that we're finally getting into government giving us probably the most control over it. Um, your local town government, for the most part, is a lot easier to for me to go down there and have a voice than than my state government or my federal government. Yeah. Um, most local town politicians aren't nearly the crooks that uh, that the the rest of them are. Well, unless you're in Boston proper. <laughs> yeah. But even but even bumbling Menino, uh, who is politically connected to the hilt, um, still gets things done for his community. He gets reelected more for having an effect on the on the the violence in the community than his political connections at this point. Right. Um, so local government, actually, I think, in most mandates, follows the mandate of the people. You were talking about Littleton. It, yep. The people speak in that town and care about it and keep voting it down. Uh, but they continue to have debate on the subject, which is interesting. I think it's rather the way government should work. We can continue to have debate on the subject and re-vote on it if we feel at a later time we need to re-vote on it. Yep. Um, I think the people are having a good say in it. Uh, whereas in other towns, it's, you know, I mean... Yeah, I know, it's not fair, yeah, but I you know I know a few of the the people on the the uh, town council or the city council in Waltham. Yep. Um, so you know I feel a lot more connected than I don't know anybody in my I don't know my state legislature. Yeah. I don't know those people permanently <laughs> personally. Well, you know, I, that's the other thing. It's like well, okay, it, it is whether or not you want to, I mean, you can be involved in your local town politics. I'm not saying you should, but right. it's something that one could think about to at least provoke uh, reasonable change or somewhat involvement relative, you know, to your beliefs. Yeah. Um. Uh, the other thing is, uh, I, I, it was a curiosity thing. Mm. If I spend my work day at some town or city mm-hmm. that's not where I live. Yep. I wanted to know, hey, what's in the water I'm drinking? Right. You know, I mean, it goes back to the adage, well, <laughs> you know, don't drink the water. Well, you might end up like them, like that guy <laughs> down the hall. You know, <laughs> what is he drinking? Well, he's drinking the water. Oh. Yeah, I bring my own water into work. I don't trust it. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I think we've you know pretty much covered this issue, beaten the horse dead. Yeah, so we have. We should talk about something else. Oh, okay. We we have another news article that I think we were both interested in, uh, which was teen hit by train died doing what he loved. Ah, uh, yes. No, I so think... he was listening to um listening to what his iPod. Uh, Phillips had his MP3 player, I guess they don't want to promote who, whose it was, mm-hmm. on Monday afternoon as he walked home from South Point High School. As he walked down the train tracks that led to uh, Cramerton, uh, home, to his Cramerton home, excuse me, the engineer of the train coming up from behind blew his horn, but the teen didn't respond, and the engineer couldn't stop r- the rolling freight train fast enough. Yeah, um, I think that's some of it is a story. Well, there's a, there's a lot I've, of things we can talk about. This the initial thought that came out of my mouth was Darwin Award winner. This kid had it coming. Yeah, he did. <laughs> Literally, he did. Um, he did. And it's like, well, how can you? I mean, how can you feel bad for someone that really should know better? Well, I, I got to ask a few questions here, and just let me. Uh, I'll ask a couple questions. Yeah. One, that train horn is that train's horn is fairly loud. Mm. Um, at least the number of decibels decibels that my MP3 player can play at 
um, if not louder. So that means I should still be able to hear the the sound of that horn even with my MP3 player at full volume. Mm. I don't know. Next, he got hit by a freight train. Not not some like Amtrak train. Not some T. Not some T. Not some like Green Line train. You know that BU students like to to try to dodge. Yeah. He got hit by a freight train. Now this means that it's got a couple of engines. It's not just one big old fat engine. It's usually got three or four. So when that thing starts rumbling down the tracks, you can feel it for a distance. If yeah. Not correct. That there's some weight on the tracks and that it's shaking the ground as it comes forward. So these things also don't move that fast, if I, if I recall. You know, usually when you're trying to pull something that's over a mile long, you're usually going about 20 miles an hour, not 60. Um, right. Now I can understand that the engineer can't stop it. I mean... He can't. You can't stop something that's a mile long and weighs a bazillion tons because it just doesn't work. You know, physics just don't let you work like that. Putting this together, the ground's shaking. Yeah. This guy's blowing a horn, and this kid still can't hear him? Right. Or, you know... Well, look... there have been other, you know, newsworthy events recently that give credence to the uh, lack of concern for for uh, health and safety. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There were a couple girls who were skipping school, and they decided it would be a great idea to tan on the tracks to just lay <laughs> lay out on the tracks. Okay. And, I believe one of them lost a leg uh, trying to run away from the track, or somebody, or maybe one of them was killed. I don't remember all, all the details. I'm sure we could pull it up for our next round. But um, the point is, I think people who listen to their music, they just become oblivious. Right. And it, they're a hazard to others, no matter where they are. No matter where they are. Um. So I, I can see, you know, rationally, there should have been no reason that he wouldn't have heard that and gotten off the track. But, right. you know, you'd have to take a guess that either somebody put him up to it or he was just trying to kill himself. I kind of, I kind of keep thinking that he was trying the kill himself angle looks the most to it because walking along the tracks listening to music and still not hearing the train and I mean you can get out of that train's way pretty easily yeah um it takes a pretty good oblivious you gotta be in pretty oblivious to what's going on around you to get hit by a freight train yeah um and I understand the car is trying to, like, beat the, the thing because you don't want to wait two hours while the train goes by. Um, right. But, and that's why you get hit. Yeah. But the, the thing here where this kid's walking along the tracks, does he have a clue that trains do come down them? I mean, I know trains are used for that. It sounds like he was living in a town where the trains went by. Yeah. Um... You know, I, I, I kind of starting to agree with you that he may have had a death wish. Yeah, it sounds like suicide. Yeah, I think you know it's like, well, if I'm gonna go kill myself, I'm just gonna crack my tunes up and try to enjoy my last couple moments. I don't know. It just, it's just so weird. Well, they said he did it every day. Like he walked along those tracks. Yeah, but he didn't stand in front of a train every day. Right. He was dancing on the tracks. More likely, that sounds like Josh. Uh, Dancing on the tracks, yeah. Oh, you know, I mean, it's not like you, you know. Well, you know, know, the thing that comes to mind is stepping on a big keyboard, like in the movie Big. (laughs) Remember them dancing along? uh, If you look at the tracks and think of them as like keys, and he's dancing, and he just, you know, gets smacked down by a train, right? 
<laughs> I guess that's possible, but I mean, you got to be yeah. oblivious to get hit by a freight train. We have known oblivious people though in our lives. True. So think True. of something. You know, there's yeah. someone. Yeah, you don't have to say names, but there is always someone that you know that just is oblivious. And uh, yeah, well, I mean, this could be just one of those cases where Darwin. I don't know. Darwin Darwin, Darwin did his work, and uh, this kid's dead. Maybe. I mean, that's possible. You know, but the the public reaction is always the reaction, reaction, the reactive reaction. Yeah. Okay, well, what are we going to put a law in place to try to prevent this sort of tragedy from happening again? Um, well, I don't know how you can try to prevent it any more than they've tried. I mean, do you, you know, kids will always jump fences that they put around train tracks. They... You know, you've been told not to walk on the train track since you were a kid, unless you were an idiot. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I've never walked on a train track. How about you? I have. Oh. Well. I usually don't crank my music while walking on train tracks for the... Uh, to, for the, just that purpose. I don't want to be able to hear a train coming down the tracks. Well, I mean, is it safe to say he was at the wrong place at the wrong time? Um, I th- I would more put it he was at the right place at the right time, but um, I guess that's just semantics. But uh, yeah, yeah, he he, but he even so, I have to put more onus on him than just saying it was coincidence that today, since he decided to walk down the street, um, he got killed. You know, walk down the tracks where every other day he did every, you know, he did it. And got lucky. I think it's more, hey, you've been told stay off the tracks for good mm-hmm. reason. You know, walking on the train tracks can be dangerous. He decided to ignore the sense. The, he decided to suppress the one sense that would have saved his life, which is yeah. your sense of hearing by cranking the music. You know. Mm-hmm. He just he made a decision to override his his body's natural defense systems, which are your senses, your five senses, uh, or six, as some people like to say. Um, <laughs> and he decided to suppress one of those defenses and got paid the price for it. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the best. I think the only real way to look at it is that's why we have those senses. Why do we have a sense of hearing? So that we can tell that there's something moving behind us because we can't see there. Well, if you believe strictly in you know Darwinian evolution, yeah, those who, who do not adapt die. won't make it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they'll die. They'll be phased out of the evolutionary trail. And, you know, no matter how many laws we put in place, we're actually thwarting many times. Um, we're, we're thwarting processes that would probably phase certain problems out of society. Yep. And I think that that's true. Yeah. Um. But there's a strike between what we want to believe as a society and what's what Darwin says we should believe if we're to follow his laws. Yeah, see, that's the whole whole crux of problems that have been brought on by religion, and that is to you know help help fellow people to bring people up by their bootstraps and blah blah blah, and have help yeah. people right wrongs and rise above and so on and so forth. Interesting because there's a little bit of a clash there in two ideologies. Yeah. What else you got there in your email list? All right. Well, um, we have something that's been going on uh, pretty heavily over the past couple of days now, um, which is 
Mumbai attacks. Oh, in India. Yeah. So yeah. this this reminds me of an old story you sent me, and I know I shouldn't be as uh, how do you put it um, as vile as this, but you sent me an article a long time ago on some uh, on another type of attack, another attack in Mumbai where uh, Mumbai mourns seven eleven deaths. And uh, I know we got a good laugh out of that back in the day, you know, instead of taking the date and kind of joking that, you know, the Indians all work at 7-Eleven. Oh, uh, oh, refresh my memory. What what was the 7-Eleven attack? Uh, it was some sort of terrorist attack, I guess, re- related to the Kashmir, pro- the Kashmir problem in India. Um, and I think that's... That, what... Seven meaning July. Yeah, July... 7-Eleven, 7-Eleven attacks, meaning 7, <laughs> July, the month 7 and the 11th day. This, this is not a convenience store under heat. <laughs> right, it was not a 7-Eleven that got held I, up in I'm Mumbai. Sorry, sorry. a little slow on the uptake. This has probably been a long time since this article happened. It has been a long time, a couple of years actually. But it, it's one that stuck out in my... Uh, Stuck out in my head as far as 7-Eleven attacks. Oh, by more than 7-Eleven attacks, and you know. <laughs> okay. Well, sorry, I'm laughing. It's so, too- so I don't know. I mean, am I that twisted and perverted to bring it back up now? You know, having Mumbai uh, troops battle to end Mumbai siege. You know. Well. I don't know. I, I mean, I don't understand all the details. Like, this is supposedly another Islamist attack. Um, they they killed like uh, what was it? It's a synchronicity group. They killed like a uh, a guy and his daughter. Yep. And there was a rabbi and his wife. Yep. And there's a whole bunch of other people, but those two pairs. Of people get the most coverage, right? Right now, so but but so it was some Islamists, right, who are claiming to have done this. Okay, so that that kind of goes back to this whole thing of India and Pakistan and the Islamists, the Islamic Indians who think who get treated like subhumans to the Hindu Indians because there are less amount of them. Um, so, if this is an Islamic thing, then that's probably part of it. Plus, you know, there's the whole Kashmir region where India and Pakistan have been fighting over for years. Um, and India kind of has control, and the only thing that kind of calmed that down, that war down, was both of the countries got nuclear weapons. Um, so the two countries exploded nuclear weapons, and after that, um, the fighting in Kashmir kind of came to a halt, because no one wanted it, no one wanted to take it to the next level. Right. So it's actually nuclear weapons have diffused a situation, um, but it looks like these Islamists have no clue and want to bring it back to the forefront. Yeah. Um, well, well, I did have a, a couple of things, you know, that were on my mind, and that was one of them was they basically had this woman representing the synchronicity group, and as right. best I can tell, it's like one of those yoga slash um, kind of like spiritual organizations that they were there for, for whatever reason, and what really kind of bothered me was that she basically said, you know, our condolences and our hearts go out to the victims, to the victims' families, and even the terrorists. (laughs) And that's the part that just doesn't sit well. Right. That doesn't sit well with any of us. (laughs) Well, it probably does sit well with some people. If you believe in the idea of turning the other cheek, yeah, you're going to get smacked again. 
True. Am I right? Uh, true. Very mm. true. And so that, that did bother me. Yeah. The other thing is, if you look at it, let's say you're, you're bin Laden and his crew or one of these other terrorist organizations overseas, and you're like, hey, we're still really kind of ticked off at America. Uh, hey, isn't India buddy-buddy with them? Like, aren't they kind of like a soft target? Aren't they kind of passive people? Mm-hmm. And, you know, wouldn't it be cool to hit them? I mean, I, I, what is going through the minds of these people, specifically in their target selection? How do they pick these targets? Well, I think this time they wanted to go after the tourism industry in Mumbai versus or the the tourism slash business community in Mumbai uh, this time because they went after the money. They went after the Taj Mahal, which is the most one of the most expensive hotels in India, if not not the related world. to the big old palace somewhere. Uh, I think it is, but. Not related in in the fact that it's the same corporation, but related in the fact that they were trying to go for that sense of style. Oh. Um, hmm. So I think they were trying to make a point by going after going after them that way. Yeah. I, I mean, I know a lot of people, you know... Uh, they have people going back and forth between the U.S. and India. And yeah. I know my brother actually has done work where he's trained people and worked with people out there, and he's come back and forth. Right. And this is um, of concern to our way of life. I mean, it's bad enough that we meddle all over the world by keeping you know, our military out there and mm-hmm. spending tons of money in foreign aid and, you know, keeping our troops camped all across the world. But Mm -hmm. the more and more, I mean, how long is it going to be before, hey, you know, we really wake up to the fact that we go in places across the world and they're killing us? Why Why are we sticking our necks out on the chopping block? Why are we, you know so entrenched in globalism where we're, we're forcing ourselves to be, you know, out there and, and putting our, ourselves at risk with our, our worldwide presence. Right. Um, hmm. I don't have a good answer for that one yet. It's... I didn't... There isn't really a good answer, but it, it just, you know, it brings... I mean, it's bad. It's bad to have isolationism mm-hmm. from one extreme. Yeah. And it's also pretty bad to have globalism to the extent that we're sort of dissolving our country's borders to be part of this worldwide community. Right, right. We need to have a sense of an American community and need to maintain that strength without losing our presence in the global community. But we still need to have the strength that our borders are protected and that we don't allow anybody in just for any reason. Because that's only going to lead to chaos. Right. You know. Yeah. I mean, I know know over the years we have, you know, we have a, a list of countries that people are pretty much banned from going, uh, to. Mm hmm. You know, we have restricted lists well, or embargo lists or actually, whatever. Actually, it's the United States doesn't ban its citizens from going anywhere. Mm. They will not provide a. How do I put this? I I don't want to use the word legal. Yeah. Means of getting to places that the U.S. has put on the banned list. Yeah. But it basically, the U.S. put stuff on the banned list for a reason. Yeah. And so it's sort of like, we're not going to help you get there, but we can't stop you from going. Right. Um, there's many proofs of that, that, you know, well, people, you, you're not supposed to travel to Cuba, but how many Americans have been there? There are you know. people who have clearances 
for example. Right. Uh, who, if you're on, if there's a list and yeah. you go on it, you could be subject to legal, federal um, legal action. Right. Okay. Because you represent a risk to national security by leaving. Yes. And going into these areas. So there, there is some level of control. It's just not as open as one would you know, think. Right. But, but if you're going to maintain one of those jobs, I also maintain that you understand that you can't just you go anywhere. Right, you can't just go anywhere. Right, and you know, I think a lot of people should, you know, take that to heart. I mean, I think there's, and I I started reading a a book on this, and I'm only a little bit into it, but Mm -hmm. the idea is that there are these sort of rivers of trust that we have, and these rivers of of somewhat hapful ignorance. Yeah. that we have about how the, the rest of the world sees us. You know, we, we don't have any sort of notion, well, oh, there are people out there, and because we're American, they want to kill us. Yeah. Uh, there are people who just think, oh, everything is um, uh, um, unicorns and rainbows. <laughs> where, where, where it, no, seriously. I don't know. I get what you're saying, seriously. have this idealistic notion that, well... We're American and we're great and we can go anywhere because we're the greatest people in the world. Mm-hmm. It, 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 maybe it isn't bordering on that kind of arrogance that I'm implying because I don't think I'm trying to get at that. I think what I'm trying to get at is it's just everything's right and nobody's going to give us any troubles. Um, yeah. And I think there are a lot of people who would think nothing of going to uh, Malaysia or uh, Saudi Arabia or pretty much Cuba or, or even, you know, if you, if you go crazy, you can go like Venezuela or... Okay. Or, uh... <laughs> <laughs> let, let, let's, let's back up here. There, there is a difference between going to Malaysia um, and going to Saudi Arabia. Uh, Malaysia has certain things that are in it that are dangerous in their own right, but it's not really a dangerous society to go to. They're a fairly open Asian society. Um, Saudi Arabia, on the other hand... You run the risk of getting killed by not getting into the culture yeah, but you run the risk of getting killed in Washington D.C. You. But, but, but people who just want to kill you because you're either uh, American or you're of a specific religion or if you're a specific uh, spit, uh, skin color. Yeah, true. No. Um, and you know you've got just as much chance to get killed in Washington D.C. as it, and in any of one one of those other places. Um. The thing that I found is Saudi Arabia. You must be is one of those places where you have to be vitally aware of what it means as far as their society is concerned. Yep, they have a very strict society, so you can't go and do everything you want in that society, and especially if you're female. Yeah. Um. I guess that's the best way. Yeah. I was it. reading a story about a couple who was trying to have sex on the beach in yeah. Saudi Arabia, and that didn't go over so well. <laughs> yeah, I remember that article. Uh, I'm kind of glad that they got punished with that little law that they got punished in. Or I thought that was okay. in Dubai. No, that was in Dubai. That wasn't in Saudi oh, Arabia. It was oh, in, in Dubai, which is another Arabic country. Um, oh, and they're pretty lenient in their uh, in certain sections of their town, but they also make it very clear that if you go and violate any of our laws, we'll put you in jail. Yeah. Uh, without hesitation. Right. Um, and even in Dubai, 
because they understand that there are so many foreigners in their city, they actually, there are certain parts where prostitution is legal. Where mm. in the rest of the Muslim world that's controlled by Muslim people, it's not. And it's, you know, it's looked down upon. Mm. So. Uh, so, just to recap, not so good to travel to India now? Uh, yeah, I think traveling to India has come a little, has dropped down a peg. Now, granted, yeah. you know, from everything that I've heard, I wouldn't want to travel to India anyways because it smells and it, uh, and it isn't clean and they're just, it isn't worth going, you know. Well, in many ways, in parts of India are, are considered to be third world still. I mean, they, they don't have the infrastructure we do. Well, most of India. Um, yeah. yeah, I agree. If you'd like to comment on anything said in the podcast tonight, please email us at podcast at lordclark.com. And thank you for listening.